This is why we watch the games all year long. Right now, it's happening. Also, the last day of the season where we'll have multiple games. It's Braun, it's Kratz, it's Persinski, Adam Jones joining the party today on FT Live. Jonesy, last week at one point, what's up? We talked about how, you know, there weren't as many dramatic games as there had been in prior postseasons. And this was brought up by some writers. Most of us kind of agreed. And that all changed in the last few days. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it was just one DS series that was really good, which was the uh, Braves and Phillies. But these championship series have been amazing. I think when Philly went to Arizona, people were saying, well, uh, I don't think they're going to get back to uh, Philly. Well, here we are, Game Six, and nobody in the nobody in the Texas series feels like they. I guess they want to win at home. So, uh, who do you go with tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, very good question. You know what? Let's just charge the damn mound so we can spend as much time on this as possible for about fifteen minutes before Ken Rosenthal joins us, who's covering the ALCS Game Seven. Thanks to a game six that was close for a while until Adolis Garcia made it not close. And, of course, you can mix in your thoughts on Brian Abreu not being a part of this. That's probably the biggest news in all of this, no? Brian Abreu is not going to be a part of game seven. He's the best reliever it's... for the Astros. And, what, this, right now, mm-hmm. in terms of high leverage, he's a top five reliever in baseball? Well, he went three months without giving up a run. That's good. That's so good. The, the fact that he's not – Able to, I see. I have a. I have so many problems with this that we don't even know where to start. That, listen. Okay, if he did throw at him, everyone in the Astros, even Verlander, the guy who gave the home runs, like I don't care. I didn't care about it. Whatever he did, I was, you know. So then for Abreu to throw, and 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 one thing I did here where he slide stepped. He hadn't slide stepped all year. Ball got away from him, ran him up and in. Fine. I've seen the stat where he's only hit one guy all year. Fine. But come on, if you're Major League Baseball, you're just you're looking for something I feel like that's not there. And then to suspend the guy for game seven, like game seven, it's awful. Well, he's having an appeal. Today. Yeah, but the appeal is already has to be done. They said, and the appeal will give a result before the game starts. Yeah. Well, what they're, are the chances? It's gonna they're not going to take it away. They'll reduce it to one. Yeah, yes. And, and he'll he's be playing ready. tonight. He's playing tonight. He's playing tonight. For sure. That's your insider info. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, because if Major League Baseball suspends a guy for Game 7, major yeah, problem with that. Suspend yeah, him for playing, next year. Like, But you yeah. don't need to suspend guys in the postseason. I know that people are going to say, oh, that'll lead to more fights and more throwing at people. <laughs> but no, I want better games. I want the best teams out there ready to go. And Unless you can tell me that they have audio clip of Dusty Baker telling him or Martin Maldonado telling Brian Abreu to throw at Adolis Garcia, then, dude, he didn't do that on purpose. That would be just dumb. Adam, give us more context. How sure are you that he's playing tonight? Because there's many writers that are like, I think he's going to get suspended. I don't want to like throw any specific people under the bus. I don't know if they're completely saying that, but I think there are many assumptions out there right now, just given how the arbitrate, what is it? Not arbitration. The uh, yeah, arbitrator. Arbitrators. Right. Yeah. We'll look at this. Yeah. Usually it's like when there's suspensions, they meet, then they reduce it. But you think that they'll just what push it to next year? Well, I can't give up my source, obviously, but I, don't I mean, it's, your it, source. yeah, Just give me the it, info. You do, no, you want a source, no, <laughs> but it's 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 it's, it's, ga- it's game seven. I just think that the, the powers that be understand the magnitude of it, and you know, remember when it, when in, uh, NBA suspended Draymond Green for game five? People are gonna say that let uh, LeBron James back into the uh, into the finals into that series. So 
I just think the powers that be understand the uh, magnitude of it, and you know, on the tail end, uh, we'll get you after. This. We'll get you later. So, so is that World mean, Series? Yeah, does that mean he's going to be suspended if they win? I'm talking about later, like next year. Next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because technically they can do that. What I didn't understand was why wasn't that the decision all along? You know, in a, in a situation like this, why isn't the plan immediately? All right, cool. He's suspended for a couple games, which is debatable for some, but we'll push it to next year and no one cares during the regular season. I mean, people have served suspensions the following year uh, for, for things. I just think, you know, playoffs, man, it's just, it's a different animal. Uh, AJ, you've been into, you know, at the top of it, won a World Series. It's a different animal, different emotion at, at this stage. And, you know, who, how are you going to blame intent when you, when you're riled up, you don't know intent when you're, no one knows how to be, have been that riled up. So who can you ever say is real intent? You know what I mean? Adam, you're going to get a lot of pub for this. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. Because I mean, this should been, be talked about. I mean, it's one o'clock out there. It's, I mean, I don't know why rosters aren't everything you talked about anyway. Uh, yeah. Also Brian Abreu is a human being, you know, got to be a little bit nerve-wracking to be going through a whole process like this when you're trying to focus on, you know, some of the biggest games of your life. So feels like all of this could have just been pushed aside for a while. I, I get it. There's probably – it can be case by case, right? But you see all the Rangers people are going to be pissed. They're going to be like, you should be suspended. We're yeah. talk to, when we talk to Evan Grant, I'm going to ask him what he thinks. He's going to be like, oh, I should be suspended for life. Well, my question is, like, Kratz, if, if Jose LeClerc, <laughs> if the same thing happened and it was Jose LeClerc, what would Rangers fans want? If it was the same exact scenario where they're like, he doesn't hit dudes, but he also doesn't slide step. This is not like him. It, it, it could be circumstance. Wouldn't Rangers fans be like, screw this. Just wait until next season. I feel like all fans can come together and say, let's have the best players playing in a game like this. Yeah. No one wants to get hit, but it, this was not like a blatant situation where you're like, 8-2 ball game, 10-2 ball game, eighth inning, you know, nothing matters kind of situation. Like, it hurt them to put a guy on. Yeah, it totally hurt them. I mean, they I mean, they obviously ended up coming and went, coming back and winning the game, but there's no way there's no way you can sit there. You have to look at things arbitrarily. Yes, an arbitrator is looking at it, but you have to look at it arbitrarily. And the only side that I can't look at this whole situation arbitrarily is MLB. The umpires, okay, maybe they got this wrong in the moment, but they're the only ones that are actually out on the field feeling out this situation. But then MLB just doubles down and gives them a two-game suspension. They knew, like, did they not have any foresight to see that, hey, this is the next, like, the next step here is he would have to miss probably the last game of this series based on our new CBA. Like, they had to have thought about that ahead of time Neither team, to answer your question, neither team wants to lose somebody at this point in the year. But nobody wants to sit there and go, oh, well, our, our championship was tainted because tainted because we had, you know, they had a Brayu wasn't out. He's actually given up two runs. Maybe if I'm a Rangers fan, I want him in there. They've scored two runs off him. They haven't done that since like May. It's true. I agree. They figured him out. I mean, when he pitches every game, he's tipping. He's tipping. <laughs> he pitches every. He pitches every damn game. He's tipping, I mean, Jonesy. At some point, he's got to be worn out, right? And the Rangers have seen him now. How many games? Yep. They played six games. He's pitching what four of them? At least. I mean, he's got to be worn, getting a little tired. 
don't they know. played each it, other it just, 12 times. They know each other. They know him. Yeah. The whole thing is, is, is crap for me. Yeah. It's crats. It's crats. It's crats. It's crats. Um, meanwhile, though, crats, Adolis Garcia looked like he was lost for a while. What was he? 0 for 4 with 4Ks? Until he wasn't. Until he wasn't. And sure, they won the game anyway, and the Astros didn't score there. But, I mean, the breathing room was necessary. And for the Rangers to be thinking about game seven at that point. I mean, you only had Spores throwing 16 pitches, LeClerc throwing 16 pitches. If they keep it close there, they got to bring LeClerc back out. Now, I was remembering when Araldis Chapman got brought back out with a five- or six-run lead. Madden brought him back out in the 2016 World Series, Game 6. When they should have sat him down, he would have been more fresh for Game 7. Obviously, ends up giving up the home run to Rajay Davis, but... I thought that's the situation that we were at right there because if he comes back out, he's got to throw more pitches, and it's just another chance for him to get just a tick more tired to then maybe get to him in game seven. But that grand slam, that was huge because Adolis was – he was not enjoying that day. He was striking out, and it was in the dirt, and he wasn't even going to first. He was the – last, the last time I saw that, I tweeted about it, was Manny Machado when he came back to – it was actually game six when we went back to Milwaukee, and he got booed louder than ever heard anybody get booed. He finally bunted after, like, breaking his bat, striking out. He finally bunted 3-2 for his first time that he put a ball in play for – and then got on safely. I think it was a hit or maybe it was an error, but I forget. But a 3-2 bunt, he, they were so in his head because of what had happened the series – uh, two games before in in L.A. Also, by the way, voice of reason for all this, Chapman said, quote, anybody who watched that game knows he hit him intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> he would know. Come on, Aroldis. Yeah. Hey. He's drilled a few people on purpose. McCutcheon. <laughs> he also he doesn't know where the baseball's McCutcheon. going half the time. Yeah, he dotted McCutcheon up a few times, you know. <laughs> he knows. There's the quote. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, there there has been history this year. That's what makes this rivalry great. We didn't really see much until that point, and then it all started to really boil. And but Mike Mike Hunter, the instigator, though. too. I mean, he was the one during the regular well, season. Garcia is the it. one that turned around and made a big deal out of it. With Maldi. With Maldonado. And listen, my other thing is, I always say this, too. I, someone that was thrown out a whole lot of times and had lots of options to go to the mound, but I never did. If you want to go, go get them. Don't wait till the umpire Marvin Hudson jumps in between you and like, oh no! Like Adolis Garcia's arms are like almost half the size of yours, Scott. So he could like I would say double. Throw, he he would he could just throw Marvin Hudson away and and go to the mound like. If he throws Marvin Hudson but away, I'm he's saying going like don't you don't don't act like again Maldonado's right there. If you want to fight him, go ahead. Like don't don't go. I, I just it drives me crazy. Go to first, or go get the pitcher. Like you don't need. It's just not a it's not a situation where you see it all the time. Jonesy Crouch, you guys know everyone's like, oh, and they turn and they're like, someone get in front. Oh, they're all holding me back. No, oh, fuck that. Go get them. That's Go not get how them. Fights work nowadays. Uh, but I'm saying that's how it should work. Yeah, guys don't really want to fight anymore. Go get exactly. them. 
No, they ain't got greenies. They ain't got greenies. Hey, everyone, told, look, every, look, Scott's holding me back. Scott, hold me back. Look, uh, look, they're holding me back. Uh, I can't uh, get to him. Hey, he's really like. <laughs> That's how it works now. I know. It's like, have you ever seen like 12, like those videos where it's like 12, like puppies just like playing with each yeah. other? It's like, the, those are the fights where it's like, hey, just kind of like showing that we're there. It's It's not real. It's just tough guy stuff. Agreed. Anybody that actually wants to charge the mound as a catcher, the times that I've been in fights where they charge the mound, I got no shot of catching them. If, if the catcher gets his hands on you, you didn't really want to go anyway. <laughs> I've been in a few and I always got them. You caught them? Oh. I always yeah. caught them. I mean, I, one time I threw my mask, I threw my mitt, everything at him. Throwing stuff instead of chasing them. Well, I wasn't going to catch up to him. Miguel Olivo, I think the only guy that ever charged him out, Miguel Olivo charged him out against DJ Carrasco. Bases loaded, he got hit and he charged him out. That guy, oh, he, man. He, he, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. <laughs> I got, he, he, he got to DJ and he went to punch and he had his arms like this and I freaking <laughs> locked him up. I'll never forget. And DJ Carrasco, I swear to, he had his glove and he was this close here. We, get, we need the two shot. Literally this close, like this. I so I had Miguel Olivo had I had him like this, where he wasn't going anywhere. DJ Carrasco's this close, and I, and DJ Carrasco went with his glove and patted him on the head, and then everyone else came in. <laughs> and I'm like, DJ, you realize that guy was gonna kill you. Next time, he hit him. him. Seriously, the manimal, as we used to call him, he literally yeah. would have killed him. And DJ pats him on the head. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I grab, I got, he ain't going. Anywhere. Like, I had him. Good dog, good dog. So that's what it was like. He's like, good boy, good, good boy. boy. I'm like, what are you doing? Good boy. Did DJ Carrasco hate? Did he hate oh. when you moved to corners? Because when I oh. caught him, he said, "Sit right in the middle," because there is somebody relaying a sign somewhere. Anyway, he was super, super paranoid about that. I know he said he. Yeah, but no, he he. Oh, he hit uh, first pitch. He threw it to Levo up and in. He's going to hit him. He swung at it. Full swing, fouled it off. Next pitch hits him. Bases loaded, charges the mound. Never seen it. FT Senior Insider Ken Rosenthal with us covering the ALCS, having some fun. And let's get right to the news first, Ken. Adam says, done deal. Brian Abreu is going to pitch in this game seven. Your thoughts and what have you observed and heard out there? Well, that would be the correct decision, in my opinion. I have not confirmed that. Of course, Adam just reported it, and it seems to me that that is the logical course here. If you go back to the Jay Howell decision in 1988, Bart Giamatti, then the commissioner, the late Bart Giamatti, ruled that there would be a three-game suspension. He had used pine tar, but he would be eligible for Game 7. He would not want the commissioner back then. The championship series decided because a player had done something stupid and the rest of his team would suffer. In this case, I would argue that Brian Abreu necessarily, didn't necessarily do anything at all stupid. I don't believe the pitch was intentional. So you can ask, why is he getting suspended in the first place? But we are at the point now where he is in appeal. So it would be logical, in my opinion, for this to carry over to next season rather than decide it tonight, potentially. And clearly, Dusty Baker last night was hedging his bets when he used Abreu for one inning instead of two because he wanted to preserve the possibility of a Brady pitching tonight. Ken, in 2014, you said that the uh, Braves twins was your favorite game seven ever. What, how does this one tonight going to, uh, going to stack up? I mean, well, that was 91, uh, 1991. 
That was yeah. Jack Morris and John Smoltz. And that was my favorite game seven ever. And the reason, Adam, is because of the pitching that night. Morris went 10, if you remember. 10 oh, innings. I was and Smoltz was nearly as good. So that was just an all-time classic. Tonight, could it be that kind of game? Absolutely, it could be that kind of game. But we have to see how it plays out. That's the beauty of baseball, as you guys know. We don't know what's going to happen. And the big mystery with this game is Max Scherzer. Will he be sharper than he was in game three when he threw hard and his stuff was good, but his command was off because, of course, he was pitching for the first time in 36 days. So that, to me, is one of the big things here. The other big thing, and the reason this could be a classic, like 91, potentially, is Christian Javier, one of the great October pitchers of these times. He's done some amazing things. Ryan Presley told me this guy is the slowest heartbeat in the world. I don't expect him to falter one bit tonight. So if Scherzer is on his game and Javier is on his game, yes, could be a classic. Well, the difference is, though, they only go five innings. Ken, uh, that's correct. It's not like Smoltz and Morris when they were going nine and ten innings. Tom Kelly went to take Jack Morris out, and he told him to fuck off. I'm pitching. I don't care what you say, TK. And Jack Morris, you know, became a legend for that for numerous reasons. But, you know, Javier is going to give him six at most. Scherzer, if he gets to the fifth, Bruce Bochy will be doing cartwheels. I mean, that's the difference in the game then when you covered game sevens and now. So it's really a bullpen. It's, it's not only the starters, but who's better bullpen. And right now, man, it's a toss-up between both these bullpens because they've been worked a lot in these six games. AJ, I can't argue about the starters. That's obviously true. But the bullpen edge, I would say – If you say, say the, the Rangers – Oh, I was going to say, if you go to the Rangers, that would be incredible because if you think about their bullpen the whole year was awful. And now AJ. you're going to be like, it's better than the Astros? AJ, I haven't said anything yet. You'd I, know, I, don't <laughs> I don't want to hear your answer, Ken. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right, so don't ask me. <laughs> I would say the Astros definitely rate the edge if Abreu is available, right? If he's not available, it gets a little dicier. We saw Montero and Stanek kind of struggle last night. They still have a number of good relievers, those two included. But – Abreu and Presley is what defines them in the late innings. Now, the Rangers, LeClerc, they got a break last night when they got the runs, and then they could not use him in the ninth. That was a good thing. How he will be, who knows? This will be third time in three games. He had an off day in there. Chapman, they stayed away from last night. It was quite interesting. Josh Boris has been brilliant, but at some point, you wonder if he's going to wear down a little bit. Outside of that, there's not a lot of trust from Bruce Bochy. So I'm not going to say, AJ, that the Rangers' bullpen is better, okay? That's good. That's AJ's. AJ's fine with that. He appreciates you saying with your chest. <laughs> what? Take us, into, take us into your life for this Game 7. I know you live in a world that the story's got to come out first. How many stories – do you have going up until the seventh inning and then where you're not writing the narrative, but you're telling different sides, Rangers win, Astros win. How many do you have going on your laptop at one time during the games? Well, I'm working the television part of it during the game oh, now. So I work for Fox during the game and that's what I'm devoted to. Now I'm thinking about what I'm writing. Yes. And talking with the athletics writers, because we have multiple writers here, three here besides me. So that's four of us, and we have to divide the angles. And, yes, we do debate that as the game goes on. But number one is television. I've got to do my job for Fox. 
do my reports, prepare for the post-game interviews, kind of stay on top of the game, all of that. So if I was writing the game live, Eric, this is really more to your question. If I'm on deadline and writing the game live, then you're going a million miles a minute and you're trying to put together multiple leads, first paragraphs and beginnings of stories. That's a really hard thing to do. I was never all that good at it. Didn't have to do it that much in my career, but that is an art and some people who do that are really good at it. Andy McCullough of The Athletic might be the best at it right now. Ken, I always uh, ask who's your uh, your bow tie. I always give you some crap about it because I always appreciate the the way you present yourself. Tonight, who are you representing? AJ, you're gonna have to give me a minute. Hey, I, I didn't ask Adam. the question. I know, I know. I had him. I said, I'm, "Hold on, give me a minute. I gotta <laughs> check because I haven't even looked yet, guys. I'm going one minute at a time here." Uh, well, how do you decide? Is Easter Seals? He's got it scheduled. Right? No, they're all laid out. They're all laid yeah. out. okay. They're all laid out. We, we have a schedule, but I don't look until I have to get dressed. So it's Easter Seals tonight. And sorry, awesome. Adam, for calling you AJ. That is an insult, and I apologize. It's not. <laughs> I mean, my initials are the yes, same. I am I mean. insulted. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Ryan Klesko called me AJ for an entire interview, so don't Best worry about it. Best moment of Crouch's life. That's true. That's Best true. moment of Crouch's life. Yep. All right, Ken, Ken, back on track. Let's get to let's get to some news. Your your thoughts and reactions to what's going on between division rivals slash friends slash I don't know problem solvers for each other, San Diego and San Francisco, maybe taking Bob Melvin off of the Padres' hands. That perhaps I don't know he could beat them on San Francisco and create more storylines for us. Problem solving is a good way to put it. Scott, because this would solve problems. Clearly, as we wrote at the end of the year, Dennis Lynn and I in The Athletic, the relationship between Bob Melvin, manager of the Padres, and A.J. Preller, the general manager of the Padres, is not good. One player told us it was unfixable. So then for the Padres to come out at the end of the season, for Preller to kind of portray this kumbaya situation was false. It was always going to be false. And the best way out of this relationship would be if Bob Melvin left. The Giants are looking for a manager. Farhan Zaidi knows Melvin from their time together in Oakland. Bob Melvin is from the Bay Area. He is an accomplished, established manager. I imagine he would be a popular choice in San Francisco. And for the Padres, this would enable Preller to hire yet another manager. I believe this would be number six since he's become GM. And someone who is more in line with his thinking because it just wasn't working between him and Melvin. So this is an obvious way out. It is probably the right thing to do for all parties involved. And we'll see if it happens. I mean, Ken, if only somebody was listening to the show one day when I said that this was going to happen and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. But it's okay. I mean, Bob Melvin and Farhan, we said, had great relationship back to Oakland. And this seems like the perfect fit. Melvin wants out of San Diego. I thought it was crazy. You thought you guys all thought I was crazy. No, and I was like, no. well, wait a minute. This is probably going to happen. I'll add to this, Ken. I thought it was crazy that Bob Melvin was returning. I really did. I mean, right. it's not. Was, it's only because he's under contract. It, it was only. don't. And, but I also have heard that there's going to be compensation possibly. Like when Lou Pinella went to the Devil Rays back in the day. And there was, there was like. Randy Wynn, I think, was traded for Lou Pinella at one point. Bob Bob Melvin was in a contract too, I believe, with um, Oakland. 
Wasn't he in a contract still yes. with Oakland when he went yes, to San that's Diego? Yes, got to San Diego. They let him out. Yes. Yeah. So, and I don't think that was compensation, though. I don't believe Remember. so. I think there was an agreement on all sides. No, there was no compensation. Yeah. There. I'm pretty sure he was under contract. I'm not positive. Okay. Yeah. John I Farrell? Mean, Didn't John Farrell get traded for Jan Gomes? Yep. No, it wasn't Jan Gomes. I don't remember. But he guys, got, that there was this, it was John Gomes. It was John Gomes. <laughs> no, I don't think it was John Gomes either. <laughs> but AJ basically just wanted to brag that he thought he thought about this first. But I actually just wanted to add, I would have been surprised. Like, no, you can't. Say, you almost can't bring Melvin back after the year they had. Well, okay, so let's say well. San Francisco kept Gabe Kapler and there wasn't an opening there, Ken. Like, were were they really going to run this back again when you're hearing and reporting and? People are seeing that those two don't get along. I mean, the manager-GM relationship has to be strong, especially nowadays when there's so much connectivity and, and really, obviously, front offices run the game. Scott, I never bought that it was going to work out next year. I, I never bought that. Now, whether that meant him coming back and them just having this distant kind of relationship, okay, but I never bought this idea that everything was going to be okay in San Diego. And I guess... In some ways, Preller had to say what he did. What is he going to say? This isn't working. I, I get it. At the same time, I thought his comments were a bit over the top about their relationship, how positive it was when the entire baseball industry knew that it wasn't. So you're right. It's fortunate, perhaps, for all parties involved that the Giants do have an opening and that this seemingly is on track to happening. But, yeah. Wouldn't have worked out, in my opinion, at all if Melvin had to stay. All the same problems that existed last year and that kind of erupted last year would have been problems this year. So what happens in San Diego now? I mean, I've seen Ryan Flaherty, Schilt, who's obviously a veteran, well-respected. What happens in San Diego now? I would expect, Adam, it's one of those two guys, perhaps Flaherty. And the problem with Flaherty is that he's a first-time manager, a first-time manager with a veteran club. Now, this can work, and it's worked with others in the game, and I've kind of come around to the idea that first-time managers aren't always a bad thing. I was kind of down on that idea originally because I thought a guy like Ryan Flaherty, and I don't want to pick on him because he's a really smart guy and a good guy, but I thought guys like that weren't coming up through the ranks and were just getting these jobs. I wrote it about Aaron Boone when he got the job. Hey, man, what are his qualifications? Yet Aaron Boone, Yankees fans can say what they want. He's been a successful manager for the Yankees. So in this particular case, when it seems clear to me that A.J. Preller wants someone he can certainly work with better than he did with Bob Melvin, you might even say control better than he did Bob Melvin, a first-time manager, it might make sense. However... With the Padres, Jace Tingler was a first-time manager. Andy Green was a first-time manager. Both of those guys got fired. It didn't work. Well, Adam, why don't you tell us about Ryan Flaherty? I mean, tell Ken, too. You played with him, right? Is, is he ready to be a manager? Also, do you think that the Padres need to completely switch things up, or do you bring in a guy that's got familiarity <laughs> there? And, of course, I'm assuming you can tell me. Like, Is he tight with Machado, I imagine? Well, I'm not going to just sit here and just blow the guy unless he's hiring me. But, uh, <laughs> but no, you could be mean, his, you like, can just be his friend. Are you trying to get hired? Yeah. I mean, geez. no, I'm just saying like he, he was, I mean, he was groomed for this. He was groomed for managing his, his dad is just, you know, the man up in Maine. 
He's been seeing leadership his entire life, being a quarterback, being a point guard, playing baseball. I mean, he's just as a player, he was just you can just see the leadership qualities in him day in day day in and day out. He got along with everybody. He took crap from everybody. He just was a guy. He was a, he was a he was somebody you want on your team. He's a he's a he's a sports guy in any sports. Big uh, uh, just big just a guy again a guy you want and. As a manager, again, that's a that's a top job. Uh, but he's been in the he's been in the thick of it the last couple of years, and especially being a, a utility player, he's seen from the from the managerial side moves that have to be made to get him involved in the game and for him to be ready. So he's seen it from both sides of the game, and I just think he's been prepared and groomed to be a, a manager from his childhood. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Ryan Flaherty is certainly a guy you can see and envision as a major league manager. And I've been around him quite a bit during his good years with the Orioles and even as a coach with the Padres. I have a lot of respect for Ryan. It's just a tough job coming in first time with a veteran club. And maybe he can succeed at it, maybe not. I don't know. But that's all I'm saying here. So then you would say to me, hey, well, what about Schilt? Is he the answer? Maybe he is the answer in some respects, but it ended badly for him in St. Louis with him fighting with the front office. So I don't know that that's the proper way to go. This is the situation they're in, though. And A.J. Preller has gotten manager after manager after manager, and he's yet to find the guy that he really is good with that can succeed with that franchise over a period of time. Ken, I've already got breaking news. I'm going to tell this to you now between you and uh, Adam Jones. Uh, Flaherty just called me. If he gets the job, he's not hiring Adam Jones, but he's definitely hiring Nick Markakis as one of his coaches, if not his bench coach, because he hates Adam. Exactly why he likes – he has to hire Nick, but he said, Adam, you're out. Nick, in. Thank you. Adam doesn't want it. He's too expensive. Oh, Adam, you're muted. You're too expensive, though. I'll talk to you. You're too expensive (laughs) and you don't want to play every day. Nick will say two words to the hitters. Yeah, exactly. If you've been around Mark Akers, I'll say two words to hitters, and it's hi, goodbye. Wow. Yeah, it's, go get him. Go get him words, Adam. I didn't say he was going to be the hitting coach. I said he's going to be the bench coach. That way he can just sit over there in the corner and be like, just write stuff down. He doesn't even have to talk. He can just write, write it down. He's a doodle. What <laughs> about this game? Ken, what? All right, before, let's get back on a serious thing. Uh, what's your key for tonight? For the Astros and or the Rangers, who needs to step up? Who needs to, to be the star tonight for either team? Well, Max for the Rangers would be the first choice, but I'll say Corey Seager. And Corey Seager has not had the best series. He had a great series against Baltimore, not so good in this series. Yet he can turn it on at any time, and he is a threat at any time. So I'll pick him for the Rangers' perspective. For the Astros, how about Kyle Tucker? He is really struggling, and he is one of the best players in the game, has been for a couple of years now. If he can somehow snap out of it, and I'm not sure he can. He is pretty deep in it right now. Then that would be a key for them going forward here. Has the home road thing just been exhausted to the utmost no. extreme in this series? No. or It's, it's, it's really real, real. Man. Yeah, it is. Have but not no one has explanations. Right. And it's been going on for a month and change for this team. Some of these guys said like there were complaints from the hitters at some point about the batter's eye. Have you heard anything about that? Yes. And that's a really interesting question. The batter's eye in Texas is significantly larger than the batter's eye in Houston. And in fact, 
They addressed the batter's eye in Houston about a month ago, made it a little bit bigger or wider. And the hitters here with the Astros think it's definitely a factor. Some of them do. Now, is that an excuse? No, because the other team scored nine runs last night, right? Playing with the same batter's eye. But it's weird that it's a factor. It's inside their heads a bit. And it's certainly weird that this team, its OPS has gone down every season at home since 2019. The batter's eye was put in in 2017. So you would think, well, by now they'd be used to it. But perhaps it is a factor. It doesn't ring true to me. Not when both teams are playing with it. Not when the Astros should be accustomed to it by now. But you guys know better than me, Adam, Eric, AJ, how much of a factor that can be. Ken. <laughs> can you hear that? What <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's gone down since they were banging on trash cans. No, no, no. A- AJ, I know, I know. Just, 2019. I know, I know. But here's my thing. Didn't they win a World Series there last year? Yeah. Oh, so yes. shut up. I mean, I'm sorry. What do you mean? <laughs> you shut up. I don't know. You won a World Series there. You've been one of the best. You've been one of the best home teams since Minute Maid Open. And then definitely in this run, their home record is crazy good. And then this year, they all of a sudden, it goes to crap. And they're like, the batter's, it's the batter's eyes fault. <laughs> That's what it is. Because they took, we showed it in the DS. They took the Budweiser. Budweiser's got to be pissed because they lost all this ad space. Right? And they took it and, we're going to make it. not working. But it's only, they say it's only against lefties. But they faced Evaldi last night. Yeah, He's right in. Go. Two runs. I don't, I mean, that Evaldi's like nine and one. His last 10 postseason starts or something stupid. So. Right. But you guys, I mean, Ken, you know, th- these guys like to make the excuses for it. Oh, what's happening? Or, well, do you feel like it's that? Or do you feel like people are just these, peppering them with these questions? Guys, these guys. No, I don't think it's a situation where they're just getting peppered with questions. Actually, they haven't been asked about this all that much. Chandler Rome of our staff, the athletic staff, wrote about it a couple of months ago. And even then, it didn't cause that much of an uproar or anything like that. But it's been an issue. It's something that the players do talk about. And it's a weird thing because AJ's right. They won the World Series last year and they did pretty well at home. (laughs) It shouldn't be that big an issue. And it's the kind of thing, too, where it's always the same for both teams. So I can't really attribute it to anything. I can't attribute it to that. I can't attribute it to anything else. But we certainly can say they have not been a very good offensive team at home in this postseason. What narrative are we supposed to follow here? Okay, like the Astros, we've been – I mean, the Astros think everybody counted them out, and they're still here at this spot. So it's like, why would you pick against the Astros? Bruce Bochy's been in elimination games. He's 5-0 and in elimination games. Which is going to break here? Which, which force is going to hit up against each other? And break tonight because I'm pretty sure they can't tie as much as Manfred would love for this to be a tie and figure out a way for everybody to get a trophy. This somebody has to win. Eric, I don't know. I don't often try to predict this sport. You guys know as well as anyone, better than anyone, how difficult it is to predict and how you really just never know on a given night what's going to happen. Bochi is great. Dusty Baker, since joining the Astros, has had an amazing record in the postseason. Those are two immovable forces, right? Max Scherzer, what will he be? Christian Javier, will he be as good as he was in Game 3? Will the Rangers make adjustments after seeing him in Game 3? There's just no way to know. There's just no way to know who will be the hero tonight, who might make a misplay that costs his team a game. 
The beauty of game seven is that it's all on the line. We don't know what's going to happen. And really everything that's come before doesn't necessarily matter. It's like the postseason encapsulated in that regard. I am interested to see Verlander, if he is available tonight, two days rest out of the bullpen if they don't have a Brayu. There are a lot of things in play here. Have you heard anything? You hit on a little bit, like a cartwheels. AJ said do cartwheels if if Scherzer gets to the fifth inning. Has have they said, hey, you know, we're looking at this, or has Bochi said, Hey, he's got the game. I'll let you know when it happens. It's the latter, and they're not going to put any set limit on it. They don't have to, Eric, in terms of pitch count. It seems like he is ready to go. He threw, what, 73 the last game? I can't remember exactly. But he should be okay for 80, 90 tonight. It's really a question of how he's doing and watching the game and judging him that way, not by any set limit or pregame script. It's not going to be like that. It rarely is for Bochi, actually. He is someone who actually pays attention and makes his decisions accordingly. How about that? <laughs> what, a Burn. What, a, what a new thing to try. Yeah. Burn hey, by uh, Ken. Ken, I don't know if – I'm sure you're aware of this, but do you know whose birthday it is today? I'm not aware of it, AJ. Is it your birthday? Really? No, this no. one's this no, one's, this one's very. This one's this very my birthday, relevant. if you wouldn't send me a present, I would be very disappointed <laughs> in you. But it's your partner's birthday today, Mr. Verducci. So I'm expecting oh. somewhere – on the air tonight, you, Smoltz, Joe Davis, maybe you can get Pete Macheska, the producer. Maybe you can get Gangle, the director. I don't know. Sing Dusty. Have, Dusty. Get Dusty to do it Dusty's in between innings. In the dugout for the in-game I mean, meeting. maybe we can get a happy birthday on the air tonight? AJ, it's game seven. I don't think that Tom would want to be told happy birthday on the air. We're kind of locked in on the game. Even Which pre-game, is, though? Way to go. You know what you should do? You should do one of those in-game interviews in the dugout and, and have – Joe Davis be like, we're throwing it down to Ken Rosenthal for a special guest on his birthday, and you could sing him happy birthday. That would be perfect. That is no chance. <laughs> AJ, I am sure the viewing audience would love every second of that. Yeah, <laughs> well, there'd exactly. be one person that would love it. Text Poppy. Poppy Put me down to game crew. You text I'll text Poppy. Poppy. I'll yeah, text where you do it. candidate for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll text Barty and tell him to have him do it. That's where you do it, okay? Let him focus on the game. All right, <laughs> you're off the hot seat. <laughs> Ken's like, gosh, this is awful today. <laughs> We're excited, though. You got, the, you got the cast coming off a Monday hangover. Ken, thank you very much. Enjoy the game. We'll be watching. Thanks, guys. AJ, have fun tonight. <laughs> Cheers. All right, and uh, Fair Territory is out tomorrow. NLCS, what you've seen and what you expect going forward. Okay. I'll start here, not just for this series, because it could be done in one game, but even going forward, Philly expert Eric Kratz, what is Craig Kimbrell's role for the next week and a half for Philadelphia? Back-to-back games, a lot of it on him, no secret, didn't have it. They have other high leverage guys. Are you like waiting? Are you going to put him in a low leverage spot and then decide? Or is it just like, uh, there's a week and a half left. He'll be a low leverage reliever for us. We've got too many other guys that we can rely on. I mean, didn't the Red Sox do that with Chris Sale? Didn't Chris Sale close out the Red Sox World Series victory several years ago when Kimbrell was there? Yes. Like 90 Slider down and in to Machado. He went down on his knee. Yeah. Boom. There you go. So, your thoughts? My thoughts are, if it hadn't happened before where he kind of took a back seat to with the closer role I would be like no chance they're still going to him I also think if the Phillies want to win the World Series yes the Phillies want to win tonight I doubt you'll see Craig Kimbrell in anything more than a 
four-run game tonight. But if the Phillies want to win a World Series, which is this is their entire plan, you're going to see Craig Kimbrell again. I think Topper's a really good job, does a really good job of gauging where guys need to be in situations. And, you know, it didn't work out for Kirkering and Kimbrell. I mean, I, credit to him for bringing them back out and instilling that trust in them, but it burned them. Now, if he brings them back out again, Look, Kimbrell's going to go somewhere else next year, but it will taint Rob Thompson's legacy here in Philadelphia, which is growing to cult status right now. Yeah, they love him. <laughs> they do love him. Do they? But they don't. Nobody is more beloved. Well, I guess there's two: Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler is pitching himself into one of the best, most clutch postseason pitchers in history, and especially in this modern era, like right now. Okay. Active pitchers right now, one game to save your life. Who's starting? Native Aldi. Over Zach Wheeler? Native Aldi. Wow, you guys all have different answers. Ivaldi, I'll go Wheeler. Mm. Kratz goes Cole. Adam? Mm. Oof. That's a good question. I'm just. We ambushed you there. Freddie Freddie Freeman. That's that's, that's Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Freddie Freeman as a pitcher. And as a pitcher, but it's to save my life, man. It's just, uh, did you see that's, that's a good did one. You see his, did you see his playoffs this year? I don't know if you want to pick him. Yeah, that's but that's true. a playoff. I never thought about a pitcher saving my life. I always thought about a hitter. I never thought about a pitcher. I carry Cole. I mean, I, if I had to think of one. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dude, did Wheeler. you see Evaldi last night? Yeah, he was great. Did you see his career record in the playoffs? Do you see Wheeler's? I, I'm just saying. I don't, I, I'll listen. take Wheeler. Okay. Right now, I'll take Wheeler. I'll take, that's fine. Ranger Suarez? <laughs> Doesn't go deep enough. Yeah. I mean, what, what Wheeler did the other night was awesome. He does it He does it with such stoicism. Besides the blemish of, of uh, Alec Thomas, your boy Alec Thomas hitting a dinger off him, who's the, clearly the hottest hitter on the Diamondbacks lineup right now. Like – that was that was a dominant performance. Great defense by the Phillies, absolutely, but dominant performance to still get all those ground balls plus the eight the eight Ks. You see, like Javier going through the lineup, and it's a lot of like pop ups, a lot of ooh, just misses. It just felt like, yeah, it just felt like Wheeler was in complete control of that game. It felt like if he just did that over and over, you know, if he had 10 consecutive starts against them, it would be the same result. You know, like most teams, especially a playoff team, can adjust and be like, all right, we're good. We'll figure this out. I don't really feel that way. And they were even talking after the game. I think it was real Muto about how Wheeler's not like a huge game plan guy, right? Kratz, you know what I'm talking about? He's mostly just like, yeah, I'm going to pitch my strengths. Go go shove it, everyone. <laughs> it and you wouldn't think. And you wouldn't think he could do that. But he did it the whole game and just attacked. Mm -hmm. Beautifully done. Who was Bryce Harper staring at? Was that Kevin Durant and Booker that he was staring at, like, for fun? Or was he actually staring at the dugout? Michael Phelps. Phelps was there. I mean, right. that's, that's a, you got to say. Famous peeps. That's you got to say what's up to him. What's happening? You yeah. see this? But wasn't it a little bit of a, a mean mug, or was it more like, yo, I'm a gamer. Welcome what, to the Who's going to say, hey, hey, Mike, what's up, man? <laughs> like, what's he going to do? Like, he's, got, he's got that head he nod, a little stretch. stare. A stare. No, you can't do that. I mean, a book, what are you going to do? To KD, what are you going to do? You just give a little, you know, uh, the stare, uh, lock eyes. 
That's all you need to do. That's a show of appreciation. <laughs> okay. Is there, has there ever been – think about we had Papelbon on the other day. When are we getting him back on for three hours again? Uh, retreat. Soon. He's yeah. fantastic. Um, Jones, actually, Adam, you should join us for one of those. Oh, sometime. man. You would really enjoy it. Papelbon went through, like, almost a full bottle of a 25-year McAllen. Uh, watching a game with us, it was incredible. Oh, man. But think, oh, you know Papelbon, by the way? Have you, uh-uh. have you come across him much? Okay. No, I think you would enjoy though. him. Pie yeah. basketball, yeah. I think you'd enjoy a, a, yeah. a few hours with him. Probably a few minutes even. But. He's just, yeah, he's great. He I mean, great. means well, kind of enough, but whatever. But anyway, so my, my point is, True. is Bryce Harper, when Pavel Ball, we talked, we talked to him about when he got into the thing with, with Bryce Harper in the dugout. And he said, this is kind of like big brother, little brother, right? Like I was kind of telling him, you know, we don't play that here, bro. We just had a meeting about this and you're doing it. But has there ever been a guy that has turned their perception of them around the way Bryce Harper has done since he's gotten to Philadelphia? Because, I mean, yeah, there is one. Who? Don't <laughs> We're say who. Talk about no, him later. no, no, that's yes. false. That's false. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. That's false. Okay. But I'm saying while they're playing, yeah. not after they date J Lo and all the other bullshit. Mm-hmm. While they're playing. Yes. Okay. Has there ever been a guy? That from the media, from players, from ex-players, because listen, when he was in Washington, people were like, this dude sucks. Why are, what's the deal with this guy? He's overhyped. Now you watch Bryce Harper and you're like, this guy's living up to it all. And, and, and when he went to Philly, there was still questions. He was really good in DC. He was, he was he yeah, MVP. fine. He was really good, but people were like, ah, oh, what's his act? What's he doing? Now you go to Philly, you watch him, you're like, you can't take your eyes off this guy. Okay, Kratz, because you're a Philly dude. I can also make the case that even now, compared to what now, five-plus years ago and a younger guy coming into the game, like I think that a lot of what he does now is pretty similar to what he – now, maybe different in the clubhouse, but if he did the stare down – He's different to the media, though, the too. The media is treating him differently. Other players are treating him differently. There, okay. There's a different – Well, there's a respect level for Yeah, him. but he's also grown up. He gives good answers, but he's always given good answers. But he's gross. Yeah, that but, was funny. but that was it wasn't that was, funny though. That was for funny. The other people. That was funny. Dude, Back me up. Don't guys dumb. I, I think some of it is just. I don't think like <laughs> publicly he's changed that much. Besides showing more appreciation and just like love for the city that he's playing for, knowing that he's going to be there. My point is, Kratz, he's done two different like very blatant stare downs in this postseason, both of which I have loved. If he did those with DC, they would have been like, what a punk. Look what he's doing. Just play the game. You're proving my point. I'm that's- saying, but that's bullshit. Like, it's the same thing that he's doing right now. Why did, Why can he do it now? Because he played I longer? I think he's handled – well, one, he's played longer. Two, I think he is had, He has handled it differently. Like, think about, think about how I, – so I would watch – I played in the same division when he first got called up. Everybody watched his career. You know, there was kind of that roller coaster MVP kind of uh, end year, and then there was never really back to MVP until he got to Philly. And even when he first got to Philly, it seemed like a lot of the things he would say were just regurgitating what other people said. It seems like now he is—he's really like he's embraced who he is. He's embraced it. You don't hear the the same things that other people say. It just sounded like he was repeating a lot of the stuff. And and leaving leaving Washington, was there ever once where somebody was six years in the big leagues, like he had, 
said, yeah, you know what? That guy was the clubhouse leader. I don't think he was. And I don't necessarily think he is in Philly, the clubhouse leader. I think he's embraced the superstar role in this new city because now he has longevity. Now he has this, he's built this, whether it's real or not, that's up to people to decide. I think it's real because he's the same guy day in and day out. And he's embraced that in this city. I want to say that the most important thing I think that he, did you see this, is he has a true fan base. D.C., respected, respected attitudes. They're Orioles fans that don't make it up to Camden Yards anymore. Sorry. Braves fans that don't make it down there are moved up. That's just hard what they are. He has an actual fan base. So, like I said, when he would slam his bat and – if he was with the Nationals and walked out to Angel Hernandez and did all that, everybody would say, exactly said, what a punk, what this. When he did that with Philly, he has Philly fans rooting that on. Like, they have such a, a backing of him that he had, he finally has a back, like somebody, a backbone. Somebody is truly on his back, and he has a whole city that's a true fan base, that good, bad, or indifferent, they have his back, and he knows that now. Obviously, it's stripped that he's a fantastic player. He's clutches all hell come back five and a half months past the surgery, Superman, but he actually is playing for a city with a tremendous history. D.C. is, unfortunately, everybody that watched the Senators play probably passed on. It's <laughs> reality. It's been a who? The Senators? Yeah, he has a franchise, dude. Like the, he has a franchise. There's, I got to Baltimore. I got to see that. Like These dudes really care about They hate this other team up there. The Nationals, they nice with everybody. Hey, man, well, welcome to our ballpark. It is You like that? It's beautiful. Make sure you go check out this race going on out here. Like You go to Philly, AJ, you know. Katsy, you know. It is, it's Philly's choice great. words there. Philly's, well, I think it's fantastic. That's a good point. Like You can, even if you do something where some might think like it's a punk, like that actually kind of speaks to what Philly. Philly fans would back up. They'd be like, Even cool, better. dude, hit that homer and stare their ass down. We're better than you. You know, yeah. 100%. He fits. Yeah, he fits. He fits. But he also is more Perfect. comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And people, I'm telling you, people have changed their perception of this guy. And whether it's because he's more comfortable, whether he's matured, whether whatever it is, but you don't hear like, listen, I mean, Kratz and Jonesy will tell you like, oh man, this, why is this guy getting so much hype? Oh, he won an MVP. We get it. But, Man, he's not really that good. Like when you talk to players, now you talk to players who are like, damn, this dude's he's pretty good, man. Like he's he's living up to it. He's winning MVPs, getting huge hits. When he talks, people listen now, where before it was like, oh, he's just talking to hear himself talk. But good for Bryce Harper for what he's done and how he's changed the narrative. He's committed too. When you're committed, you sign 13 years. There, there's a different level. Like the fans, the fans like want to know you. The fans want to get to like be behind you. And that commitment, I think he's he's settled in this area. Trey even hit on it a little bit. Trey Turner hit on it a little bit when when he came on the show when we were at Citizens Bank. Like he's he's like, we're here for a while. My my daughter, my son's gonna be 10 years old by the time. We are done this contract. By the time I'm done this contract, him and Bryce are here. So it's like, it's like what Adam said, like the city's behind you and the things he's saying gets that. And then I think the whole, like the whole players are talking differently about him. What he's done in the postseason 
is ridiculous. He did it a little bit when they were playing the Giants, when the Nats first made the postseason. They are playing the Giants. He hit those homers off of Strickland. Like, Strickland. And then, you know, it just kind of was the Nationals kind of meh. Now he's in a big market, and it's it's big. It's selling it. And, of course, the other dude who's on fire, like last series, it was Castellanos and Schorber. But right now, Kyle Schorber is so freaking hot at the top of the lineup. And fresh quotes from Tori Labello leading up to this game. Jesse Rogers posting the quotes. Labello on Schorber, quote, I don't know how to stop him. We just can't make mistakes. We know there's holes in there. Every hitter has a hole or two. We just can't get it to the right spot at the right time. But we're going to try like hell to do that. Um, and, and he said, yeah, they, they asked about like him being technically a sub 200 hitter this year. He hit a buck 97. He said, we've had a lot of conversation about that. He's not a 197 hitter. I know that. I don't know what happened to him this year. I only saw a handful of at bats and it is unbelievable that every mistake that we make, it's not a single or a rollover or weekly hit ball. It's going out of the ballpark. We just can't make mistakes to him right now. Do they have to, do they have to circle two dudes in the lineup? You know how we talk about that, where it's like that one dude's not beating me. Are you doing that with Harper and Schwarber? Do you have to no, you can make, decide on I, two? I think Schwarber is more pitchable than Harper. Harper can hit a wider array of things. Okay. We saw last night with two outs. They walked Jordan Alvarez Finally. with two outs. Finally. We had yeah, a runner exactly. on first yes. to get to Jose Abreu. It they, was smart. It, it was smart. It worked. But you can't walk, You can't have two of those guys in the lineup because especially in, in so close to each other, it just turns it over too fast. I think, I think Schwarber is more pitchable. There's definitely more holes than him with Harper. But when Schwarber gets hot, I mean, it's it's homers. That's why I said when he hit that homer in game one, remember? He's going to be MVP. He has all laughed at me. Gosh darn it. Really no, you said. said MVP That's of the game. Don't said. manipulate your yeah. words. I, and I was honestly, misquoted. <laughs> I was misquoted, damn it. It's and honestly, I really, think, I really think the Diamondbacks aren't built for the matchup to get Schwarber out consistently. They have Mantiply. They have... Ryan is Ryan Nelson the lefty or is Kyle Nelson the lefty? I think it's Kyle. It's, anyway, I think it's Ryan, but anyway, it could be Kyle. And then they have Saul Frank. Well, Saul Frank's Kyle's a, a lefty. Kyle's a lefty. Thank you. Saul Frank's a lefty, and that's who they keep bringing in. But they know Lavello said it earlier in the series. Like he's a young guy. What that means is, you look at his stats; he gets outs outside of the zone. Schwarber doesn't swing outside of the zone. So to me, this has to be a situation where you stack your pitching, not saying you're going around Schwarber, but you say, how do you get Trey Turner out? Who is going to get Trey Turner out and Harper out? Because Harper's kind of like you're done. He's, he's not, it's not like extreme splits left on left. So you have to figure out, because I don't think any of your lefties really stack up besides Mantiply, and you can only face Schwarber one time with Mantiply, and then you have to face – and then he has to face Trey. It's just – it's not a good matchup for the Diamondbacks. So to me, you can't let Schwarber hurt you, but you got to have a righty in there that can consistently control the out, outer half of the zone, and I don't know – I don't know that they necessarily have that. I think Castro's done that in his career, but he hasn't recently. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on this game, by the way? Does Arizona have a chance in this game? I already gave you my thoughts for my lock. I know you did. <laughs> I didn't touch this game for my lock. I went. ALCS, I think Nola. But... I think Nola 
I mean, the, the Phillies are going to win all of Wheeler and Nola's starts, and that's how they're going to win the series. That was yeah. their path from the get-go, right? I got the Phillies. They lost the other two. They're at home. They've been really hard to beat at home. Uh, I think – I think the listen, the Diamondbacks had a great year, an unbelievable playoff run. I just – I didn't think they'd get back to Philly, but then I didn't count on Alec Thomas, my boy, going deep off Kimbrell in a huge situation. They had two big late comebacks off Kimbrell. Um, so, I mean, listen, Phillies – I don't think there's a lot of people that believe the Diamondbacks can win two games in Philadelphia, especially with Nola and Ranger Suarez lined up. No. Diamondbacks need to get, the Diamondbacks need to get back to their style of play and running. They haven't ran. They haven't ran. I, I mean, again, the, we know J, JT is great. Wheeler, does, I mean, that, that combination right there is just suicidal. We get that. But you get on with Nola tonight. You got to be aggressive on his fastball. You have to run. That's the way the Diamondbacks are built. They have they have to put pressure on the bases, and you have to make Real Muto throw you out. He probably will, but you got you got to make him throw you out. And you know you see Carroll's got on and just has not has not ran, and that's that's the style of play that they play with. They move they move guys, and uh, you know unfortunately they haven't been able to uh, to do that. Which you know when you lose a big part of your game and become one dimensional, it's harder to beat a team that you know is is built for that kind of stuff. They're you know you can't you ain't gonna out slug. You're not gonna outslug the Phillies. You gotta, you gotta put, you gotta put people in motion. Lordy Scurriel, Lordy Scurriel is the linchpin for this. He Hit can hammer. Trick. He if he's had he's struggled against Nola. If he can get some hits, I think that that lengthens this lineup out and will get Nola out of the game. But I don't know that that's what the Diamondbacks want either is to go to the high leverage Philly bullpen either. Yeah, not easy. Again, exactly. the Diamondbacks have to score first. Mm-hmm. They got to score first. They first inning. Carroll, get, get on. But Carroll's been on base and he won't steal. It's like, what are they because missing? Because they sidestepping. But Nola, yeah. you can steal off Nola. Yeah, but sometimes, you know what, Kratzy? I don't care if you You got to take a chance every once in a while. That's your game. You got you to take a shot. Right? Yeah, but not uh, a Neither one of those teams are running at below like an 89% stolen base success rate. Like, Dave McKay is incredible. That's why – that's why as soon as Goriel got on and Kimbrel came set, as soon as he looked home, they go. Like they they go when it is a guaranteed get. And they're waiting for Nola to do that like double leg flip and then go. And he just he slide stepped. Every time Carroll was on, slide step, slide step, slide you gotta step. You gotta take a chance. You gotta take a chance. Like a hit and run? Like to me, I'm, I'm you just gotta take a chance and, and hope for guess a curveball. Hopefully it's in the dirt and you get a good jump. I mean, that's it. You can't you can't just because a guy is slide stepping, it's like if a guy hits a good slider, but you have a guy a slider pitcher out there. You can't, well, I'm not gonna throw a slider because the guy can hit a slider. Well, no. Corbin Carroll's game is stealing bases. You gotta be able to steal bases. You gotta be able to do what your game is. You can't let the other team dictate. And that's what like what Jonesy was saying. Like they've been they've been kind of told what to do by the by the Phillies instead of playing their game, which is pressure. As they say, embrace the chaos. They gotta make the game chaotic. Yeah, I think I think the starting pitching has held that down galore for the Phillies, and it's yeah. been it's been tough. Phillies have a plan; it's working. The main headline today: we have a game seven. Evan Grant is on the scene for the Dallas Morning News. Evan, what's going on, dude? Wait, what's wrong with you two? I don't know. Ask yeah. Evan. What's what's what did I what did you do that I'm pissed He's off? He's excited about? to to talk to you. Oh, he should be. Yeah, and and you you saw the Astros leading up to this series, but 
Evan, in terms of what we've got tonight, what are your expectations? And also, of course, I think it all starts with what we think, A, Max Scherzer has in the tank in terms of how many pitches, but B, the effectiveness of those pitches. Slider did not have the same bite, which we've seen at times from him this year. And the fastball velocity was there, but it didn't seem like he was putting it where he wanted every time. So what do you think? I think the the big issue that he was not happy with was the slider. And I think that came into play in the two-pitch sequence in the, I guess it was the third inning of that start. The velocity was fine. It was the command of the slider. And it felt like he was overcompensating for feel one way or another. Uh, and he came away from that saying, okay, I've got, he, guy didn't want to say, look, this is the playoffs. I've got a baseline. But that's basically what they had to do after after 37 days of not pitching. He does have a baseline. He is a guy who hopefully can adjust off of that and take it into today. Bruce Bochy's going to have a full bullpen behind him. He's not going to wait around long if Max doesn't have it and, and let this game get out of hand. But how often do you get an opportunity to start a guy who's got Game 7 experience? Not just Game 7 experience, but Game 7 experience in a win in this very park. So... I, I think the Rangers are lined up about as good as they could possibly be lined up for this situation. Uh, and now it's just a question of whether or not Max can go out there and execute and whether or not the Rangers can score a couple of runs early off Christian Javier and, and start to take the crowd out of it a little bit. Evan, how, how just unbelievable has this series been? You got two old school managers with and two veteran teams. You got obviously Boach and Dusty. And just two veteran teams laid back, Scherzer, Verlanders, and obviously the superstars in between. Just how unbelievably, just just old school baseball, you have obviously the arguments, the fights that's going on, and the emotions. How awesome has this series just been? Well, look, Adam, I, I, I want to say this. that When the Rangers went to Baltimore for the division series, that, that atmosphere there, that was playoff baseball in Baltimore. That crowd was into it. That's a ba- That's a baseball town. I think you come to Texas – and these two places are still a little bit, even though the Astros have had success lately, I, I think the idea that, that baseball is the be-all and end-all is, is kind of new to these fan bases. And so what I've seen take place over the course of this series is these two groups really, really get into it. Clearly, Houston's a little bit farther ahead when it comes to that, thanks to two World Series wins and seven ALCS appearances in a row. But over the last two or three games... This has become not just an ALCS and not just a rivalry, but kind of a blood feud, for lack of a better term. It, it just got nuts um, in Game 5 in, in, in Arlington. The way the series turned on one three-run homer by Garcia, which looked like that was going to be the Rangers' Jose Bautista moment to take a page from their traumatic past, and then to have it turn around on Altuve, of all people, uh, two innings later, when it looked like this team was about to go ahead 3-2. to two. Uh, it just turned everything up another notch. And I think it's good that both the Cowboys and, and Texans were off this week so that baseball could really take center stage. And, and I do think regardless of what happens tonight, uh, there's a new great rivalry in Major League Baseball, and it's going to be the Astros and Rangers for several years to come. Evan, I've seen your tweets. I've seen all your stuff you've been putting out there. You really think Brian Abreu threw a Garcia on purpose? Now, no, don't no, take off your Texas Ranger colored glasses. Take off your big cowboy <laughs> hat that's blue and red and deep in the heart of Texas. Okay, you I'll really go take my I'll go take out? my cowboy hat back from a Rod that he got from from Poppy on the show the other night. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wore his. Remember, it was Jeter that was like, I don't even wearing this. 
I give Jeter credit for that. Um, listen, the uh, here's what I think. I, I don't think that Martin Maldonado called for a pitch inside. I don't think Dusty had any intention for Abreu to throw at Adolis Garcia. But I do think, especially with, with the fact that MLB cited all six members of the umpiring crew, that perhaps Brian Abreu got caught up in the moment and said, you guys threw it at Alvarez. At Alvarez. This guy hit a home run and pimped it. I'm going to show him. Stupid move? Yeah, stupid move. Did it, did it end up potentially um, igniting the Astros a little bit more? Yeah, it did. Uh, but the only person who can answer that, AJ, is, is Brian Abreu. But I, I know that what you're saying, and I've talked to some other former players, and everybody says, look, your head tells you logically there is no way he is throwing at him. But your eyes tell you that the optics of that situation were really, really bad. Yeah, it was bad optics. It looked bad. But speaking of looking bad, we just showed the replay. Adolis Garcia didn't get suspended. He didn't get – he got fined. He, he's the one that caused the problem. He turned to Martin Maldonado, put his finger in his face, got walked away, and then charged back behind the pile to try to get some more. So how is it fair that Abreu possibly could be suspended, although we're hearing different things? And Garcia got, what, $250? I mean, he's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, you know fines are bigger than that now. It's, it, I know it's been a while since you've been, been fined, but you know fines I was never fined in my career. Was it 250 when you were fined? <laughs> I got fined $250 for the Michael Barrett fight. Does that count? That's it? That's it. After appeal. After appeal, I appealed it down. Wow. It's and a what, donation. What, it is a donation to bat. Adam, what I, are I, fines? Two grand? I uh, it, dep- I, it depends. Range. Yeah, it depends. I remember the biggest one I've seen was Jamie Walker. He got fined five grand. Remember Jamie Walker? Yeah. Old crafty Booked lefty. Him. He got. I mean, it wasn't that. that don't 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 gloat on that one. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> he uh, he got fined five grand because he said something about the umpire betting on the game, and that was the same thing. That same time around, Donahue coming like, came oh, out with all that kind of stuff. So he was like, "Hey, he called that close. Was he betting on the game or something?" And he, he's like, man, I got fined five grand for that. I'm, I'm a 22-year-old rookie over there just like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I ain't going to say that. <laughs> Look, I, for, quite frankly, I was a little bit surprised that anybody got suspended out of this. But I've talked to different people, and there are different people who say different things. That, you know, if, if anybody got suspended, maybe it should have been Dusty for refusing to leave, to leave the bench. Uh, I've had people say, look, it looked like Adolis put his hands on the umpire even though I think what he was trying to do was just free himself. But certainly there are people who say, you know, he put his hands on the umpire there, and why is that not a suspendable offense? It's a tough position for Major League Baseball to be in, Um, and I don't think there are any easy answers. And and from my perspective, I would hate to see a series take place in which one of these teams was not at full strength based on on the actions of of discipline. You feel like... You feel like a Brave is going to be able to pitch tonight? Great question, Eric. I, I I have a feeling that this suspension will be, well, let's say it's, it gets reduced. Even if it's reduced to one game, he's not going to be able to pitch tonight because he's got to serve it immediately. So I, I think that in all likelihood, yeah, he's not going to be eligible to play tonight. So does that is that going to be the Astros' excuse for losing then? Or – I want to see, I want to, you know, because there's got to be a key for each team. There's a key for each team. 
And what is it? Is it Abreu not being there? And the players would never say it, but our fans going to say, well, if Abreu hadn't gotten suspended. Well, we know players and fans live in two different realities, right? Um, and yeah, for if it's, if it's the fans perspective, it's going to be, Oh, Abreu wasn't eligible. If it's, if it's a player's perspective, I think the Astros are going to have to give some credit to the Rangers. If the Rangers come down here and win four, four games in their building. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, if it's, if, if the Astros win, I, I think the Rangers have to look at it and say, that's what a championship team does. They execute in key situations. And there were a couple of, there were a couple of situations in games four and five in which the Rangers simply didn't execute as well as they needed to. And that may be the difference in the series. It's been a really close series. And I think that that all in all, when this is all said and done, you're going to have two teams who are who are going for a long time, continued for the Astros, to be at the top of the American League West and, and the American League uh, power rankings. Where are we on the bullpen for the Rangers? So you explained Max's situation. How do we feel about, first off, Chapman? Were you surprised that he wasn't used in the game? Yeah, I think that was the biggest vote of no confidence that the Rangers got to. Now, he was warming up in the ninth. <laughs> but, yeah, I, both my columnist and I, we looked at each other when uh, in the eighth inning, and we were surprised that, that Bochy did not get Chapman up and did not have him warming up and did not bring him in to face any left-handers. So that was interesting. Uh, the good news on Chapman is, you know, if he had pitched last night, He's been really, really ineffective on back-to-back days. And so I'd be even more leery about bringing him in tonight. Uh, he is fresh. Question is, how fresh would LeClerc be? Obviously, LeClerc would be used if necessary. I think the only guy probably who can't pitch is going to be Uvalde. I just don't know how Nate comes back after 90 pitches and pitches in relief the next day. Um, but I think this, this club has every arm available that it possibly can have. Uh, the hope would be that if you can, you can get the spores, Leclerc and Chapman in some order. Um, and if you need to, you may go to somebody like like John Gray in the middle. If you need to get, if you if you need a right-hander to get a couple of guys out, I think that that he's got the best stuff out there right now, even though he hasn't been a reliever. So Montgomery's on the board. Sure. Oh, okay. What? Why about- not? No, I agree. So, I mean, Evaldi pitched last night. He's not pitching today. That's how much of a dude Evaldi is that we're even Evaldi, yeah. The fact that we're even mentioning that. Have you seen – we kind of got into this fight earlier a little bit, and and I'm going to follow up after I ask you this question, but is Nate Evaldi the best big-game pitcher we got going right now? Well, I can, I'll tell you this, you know, we went back and look, he's the best, he's the best postseason pitcher the Rangers have ever had. And they had some really good performances from, from both Cliff Lee and, and, and Colby Lewis in 2010 and 2011. He, you talk to anybody who played with him in 2018, and I know Brock's not on today, but, you know, Brock has mentioned that before, what Nate did in the postseason in 2018, particularly that six inning relief outing. He is a guy who lives for the moment. And, that is the same thing that Rangers players echoed all night last night. This is a guy that they feel extreme confidence with in a big, big situation. I think he relishes it. I think he cherishes it. Uh, you know, Chris Young's description last night was using the word winner as a as a noun, adjective, adverb, every possible way to describe Nate Uvalde, who, ironically enough, was like this team's last of the big free agent signees over the winter. You know, they – they really only got Ivaldi after they kind of lost, lost out on Conforto, and they said, "All right, Nate still wants to 
Nate wants to pitch here. We've got the money left. Let's go get Nate Uvalde. And he's given this club, he's given this pitching staff its identity. Okay, so Scherzer's tonight. Uvalde, we've talk, just talked about it. Was he 9-1 and one, his last 10 starts or whatever it is in postseason? He's been incredible, his team. Scherzer tonight. Verlander we can throw in there. Even Kershaw. These are probably the three biggest pitch starting pitcher names of this generation. None of them have really had that moment in the postseason like Evaldi's had, right? Like Wheeler's having in Philly, like certain guys have had. Is tonight Scherzer's chance? And why have they not been able to do this after being so dominant in the regular season, the postseason? It's been a struggle for these guys. I think, you know, one thing you got you have to look at is how much deeper the playoffs go these years, just now the extra rounds and, and how much that adds to pitchers' stress level. I do think if you look back at Scherzer's 2019, there are some pretty good numbers in there, and it was gutsy of him to come out pitch game seven in the World Series here in Houston and, and get the five innings that they got out of him. Um, but, yes, I did, I, there haven't been those moments for those guys where you say, this is Bob Gibson, this is – Kurt Schilling. This is, you know, a big game postseason pitcher. Um, and I don't I, I the one that's always been a mystery is Kershaw. I, I don't know why he just hasn't had the success in postseason that he has during his regular season. But I think I think Max's numbers in postseason, save for that start he made for the Mets last year, have generally been pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at the game log. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of but, really good looking Max Scherzer. Yeah, but stars. there's not like that one like Jack Morris, John Smoltz. Well, but nobody Mo- does that. But anymore. I'm saying, but Scherzer's that, the one. But the these thing, three right? are the Who's guys. Who's a complete game? But They're these three are the But those three are the guys that could give you eight with two hits and no runs. Like those are the guys you think of going into us. You don't think Nate Evaldi's going to go out and shove, right? You don't. You don't think that. You think, okay, well, oh man, we got Scherzer going today. <laughs> We're winning. But still, Evaldi. I mean, Strasburg did it. Innings. Strasburg did it in nineteen. That yeah. was what got him two hundred. 70 million for 30 innings. Okay, can I give you Scherzer in 2019? <laughs> I mean, he made six starts, five innings, three runs, one inning, I guess, a bullpen appearance, three strikeouts. So, really, six appearances. Then um, against the Dodgers, NLDS, seven innings, one run against NLCS against St. Louis, seven shutty, 11 Ks. And then in the World Series, yeah, five innings, two runs, seven, uh, five innings. Two runs. Which is great, but what I'm saying is like... He's had some good times. I understand. I'm not saying they've been horrible, but I'm saying they haven't had that moment where you're like, damn. Because, again, because when when I think of Scherzer, Kershaw, Verlander, those are like the three dudes of the last 10 years that have been the best three pitchers. You can maybe throw in someone else, but those are the three guys I think of, okay? Yeah. Kershaw's obviously had his struggles. He got his World Series in 20. Verlander kind of had a moment last year when he won game six for Houston, right? I mean, Scherzer, yes, he won the World Series in 19, but Strasburg was the MVP, okay? And I'm not saying he's pitched terrible, but I'm waiting for – and I know he's hurt this year, so it's not fair to put him on it this year. But, like, when he was healthy, you were thinking, like, oh, shit, Scherzer, we're getting Scherzer. He's going to give us eight, two hits, no runs, go right to the closer, series over, we win. It hasn't happened like Nobody that. Nobody goes eight anymore. I mean, dude, even 2013, I'm looking, okay. like, seven innings, two runs – 11 Ks, seven innings, one run, 13 Ks. Like he had some, and, and there were a couple bad ones in there too. Yeah, but there's, okay, that's fine. I'm just, but I'm just asking. I understand. It's just general. I, just, I, I think Scherzer's different for me. I think he's had. Scherzer's great. I love Max. So don't, you know, I don't want anyone to think that. No, no, I know. 
and I think, guys, I think you guys can all speak to this, right? But managers just, it's just not the way the game is managed anymore. You know, you're going to go to your leverage guys in the eighth and ninth inning. If you get there, you're not going to let pitchers face batters a fourth time. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's the way the game has changed. And whether you want, whether that's a good or a bad thing, that's a debate for another show, but it is the state of the game. right now. Mm -hmm. Fair. All right. Lastly, uh, what else? Anything else you're looking for tonight? Who do you think is going to win? Um, what else on the Rangers side has to happen? I mean, we talked about the pitching side of things like Ken mentioned, pretty mentioned Seager, right? Mm -hmm. That was his kind of key since Corey's been okay. Not great. Semyon finally came around. I think he was on base more in game six than he was on for all of the prior games. What are you seeing? I, I, for me, it's Simeon. If Marcus, Marcus took two walks last night and he had two hits, he has struggled to adjust to the way the Astros have pitched him. They pitched him away, 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 and it looks like he's tried to reach out and kind of pull balls that he can't pull, and that's led to the number of pop-ups he's had. I think last night he started to make that adjustment, and if he gets on and if he scores runs, that's the key to this offense. He makes this offense go, and he makes he makes Seager that much more dangerous behind him, and he it, it makes Adolis Garcia. How was a guy who hit a three-run homer and a grand slam in his last few games get any more dangerous, but it makes Adolis that much more dangerous. You okay. think they win? Who wins? What's the score? Good Lord, AJ. What's the score? <laughs> yeah, what's the score? <laughs> Put your money where your mouth is. Well, also, Evan, just keep in mind, I mean, media people do this all the time. If you're wrong, it just yeah. gets buried. If you're right, we show it forever. Well, if, if I'm right, don't worry. I'll be citing this tomorrow. If I'm wrong, I, I will. <laughs> yeah. This never existed. Um, uh, let's go. Hey, I am not predicting. I predicted the Rangers before this series, to quote myself, in seven for no reason other than this team has defied predictability all year. So I'll stick with the Rangers, and I, I say they're going to win it six to four. Okay. Okay. All right. I like it. Okay, good. Say it with your uh, now. Before I let you go, I got to ask you this one question: Why in the world, if you don't know who Jeff Fry is, you know we had Jeff Fry on the show, yeah, yeah, and Derek Holland have been going at a Twitter war for like the last four days over what? Uh, just over the home run from Garcia, and well, he just out. And then for some reason, Evan, why the fuck did you jump in in the middle of this? Like you could have just <laughs> stayed out so on the outskirts like me and text Derek Holland and be like, dude, he's blasting your ass, and then him get mad. But, but it's not on Twitter. <laughs> Meanwhile. You just jumped right in the middle. Why would you do that? Because A, I'm an idiot. B, I mean, <laughs> I am. Here's one thing I would say to all, to everybody. Right, the game has changed, and it does. It, it doesn't get played the way you guys played it necessarily, and it doesn't pl get what played the way you, the generation before you got played it. But the game is still enjoyable, and I just hate when former baseball players go out there and trash the game today. The game always changes. It may it may not be what you agree with. It may look different to you, but the game changes. And I just feel like Jeff has gotten to a point where he's kind of become that old man yelling at clouds about the game in my day, and it's not a good look. There you go. All right, I, I appreciate it. I just I just found it hilarious that you jumped in the middle of that. <laughs> I, 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 there's never an argument I won't jump in the middle of, and I will tell you this too. Robbie Grossman has far better restaurant restaurant recommendations than you've ever had, AJ. Whoa. Now that's fighting words. Yeah, because you don't far ever better. ask me. You don't Rob ever ask me. Pinkerton's Barbecue in Houston. Not that anybody's going to get here for the World Series if the Rangers win. And obviously the original <laughs> Ninfas, which I had just been to for the first time. But two great recommendations. You ever been to Irma's? Oh, I've been to Irma's a million times. Oh, I, thought the, I thought Ninfas was better. 
Really? I'm going to take the yeah. under on a million times. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, have you seen my body lately? <laughs> Might be a push. <laughs> Millions customer. <laughs> uh, let's let's put it this way: I've eaten a million tortilla chips at, at Irma's. Let's let's go with there that. There you go. Okay. Irma's is tough to take the over there. <laughs> Evan, great to have you on. Enjoy in person. We're jealous that you're there. Have fun, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow after you get your six four prediction right. Peace, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Evan. Evan Grant, uh, Dallas Morning News, and uh, we'll post his Twitter, obviously, as we do for most people that come on with some with some links so that you can follow him and see the back and forth that he likes to jump into between former players. Beautiful. Let's slap hands. I like that pick. I like that pick by Evan Grant because that's pretty much what I was looking at. The over has gone over so much, and the over is at nine tonight. So Evan Grant, he knows he knows how many overs have hit in this series. But here's a little picture I wanted to show you guys because this is what I do. All I do is win, win, win. That's my trophy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Look at you. They give you a trophy, huh? They give you a trophy. Look at the name at the bottom, Bruce Banner. That is incredible. Why is it so small? It's not small. Oh. It's freaking heavy. I really heavy. like it. That's what she said. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why? That's awesome, Kratz. Congratulations. That is sick. BetMGM online poker champ, Eric Kratz. And actually, it I didn't even have his real name on it, though. That's the worst part. That's better. That's better. Uh, that's his way name, better. Right? That's way better. Is that Having... how you check into hotels so that nobody knows where you are? Yep. I mean, that's what I did. I don't need to, I don't need to have aliases now. <laughs> When Jonesy travels the world, he stays under an alias. <laughs> I'm going to change my Congrats, alias to AJ Brzezinski. Ooh, you don't want that. You don't want that smoke. I just wow. want him to. I always loved it when they called up and they were like, um, "Mr. Banner, Mr. Banner." So now, now if I check in as AJ Brzezinski, they'll be like, "Oh, Mr. Brzezinski, we see you have a large bill from the last time you were here that you didn't pay." <laughs> <laughs> you think I am Dustin McGowan? <laughs> <laughs> Sean Markham, Sean Markham. <laughs> oh, Sean Markham, sorry. Uh, let's get thoughts on this, okay? I have a couple things. One, Dusty Baker has a plant, and he took it outside, which I think is awesome, just given the context of the series. And he's just like, yo, my plant's not looking too good. You guys cool if I just bring this out and put it on the bench for a little bit? And then everyone was talking about how it's like a lily, something like that. And uh, Peaceful Lily, it's called. Wait, can we, do you, how can we never take your plant out? Can we get oh. a shot of Scott's plant? Hold on, hold on. That's Stay not on. his plant. That was no, a right plant. There. You can see it right there. I'm yeah, yeah, this. that's his plant, but there's no way that was Dusty's plant. Scott's plant. Dusty, he was on the road. That plant was just in. No, that was, that was in Houston. In the clubhouse. Same, Dusty. Same. Okay, same. Twinsies. Mine needs need sunlight. I'm going to take it outside right after this because this actually goes into the next thing I wanted to announce. I'm here all day. We are going to do not one, but two post-game shows. Mm. We will do post-game shows for every single remaining 2023 postseason game. So that means game six and game seven today. If there's a game seven um, on Tuesday, we're on it. And then every World Series game, we'll have an FT post-game live post-game show. And that will be posted afterwards in case you miss it. We've had a lot of uh, views and support on that. So check it out. It'll be me. 
It'll be Plant, it'll be Kratz, <laughs> and it'll be a cast of other characters that will join us. What about me? For those post-game shows. Are you confirmed? Are you doing all the shows? I thought I was. Okay. There you go. Pierzynski's going to be on. Adam's going to be at the, some ballpark somewhere, or some country in Europe that we're jealous about. <laughs> what do you I'm got? coming back to America. Uh, all oh, right. Christ. You and, you and Eddie Murphy. Arsenio Hall. Uh, I got a second lock. Wesley since, Snipes. But, oh, but the game's already started. Arsenio uh, Hall. Arsenio Hall isn't coming to America. Uh, <laughs> but since the game already started, uh, my lock, I have a second lock today. It's uh, Tottenham is playing Fulham. It's uh, Tottenham Hotspur is going to win, and Richarlison's going to score a goal, and that gets me to plus 170. Oh, and he almost just scored a goal like, on live TV, but damn it. But Incredible. That's, that's the lock. Uh, oh, we're losing. Wait, we lost all our viewers. Uh, oh, well, too bad. All I'm of good. our live viewers. Just Come left. on, you Spurs. Let's go. Me and Dave Portnoy. Just left. Who, Wemby? I don't know the Spurs. Me and Dave Portnoy. Okay, lastly, <laughs> there was an article out this morning um, on awfulannouncing.com, which if you don't follow them, they're great, but it's not just about awful announcing. It's about good media coverage, too. I'm just trying to figure out, one, they couldn't use my Fox headshot. And two, Scott, you didn't even make it. I don't want to make it. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool being behind the scenes. MLB coverage near is nearly extinct in mainstream media. Is foul territory its future? That is a great title. That is strong. Move the plant. Okay. Adam looks happy. Ken looks happy. I look happy. Scott's not happy. <laughs> Me? Yeah. I'm not on there. Exactly. That's I don't why you're not happy. On there. I don't want to be on there. If you Kratz weren't on there, still... you'd be like, where am I? No, I'm I would not. not. I couldn't care less. Kratz, Kratz is still there. molesting his trophy. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Besides the last five minutes, we do actually cover baseball uh, every single day. I know, but you get so mad if we talk about any other sport. No, I don't. Oh, he's so mad. I don't get mad. Okay, everyone in don't the comments mad, right Scott. now, do you want to hear AJ Pierzynski talking about what, what league is this? Premier League? The Premier, Premier League. League. <laughs> I don't know. The no. greatest league in the world? Do you want to hear AJ talking about Premier I didn't League? talk about it. I just gave a bonus oh, bet. Actually, you know what we can do? We're it's an FT heater bet. We're going to give you your own YouTube channel where you talk about Tottenham. You, it might actually grow. It might be very successful. We can see how that does compared to foul territory. <laughs> anyway. if I have, do I get the same manpower behind it? The same, get the ability to get the same guests? You can do whatever you want with that. Yeah. Mark, you you're available. It. Claudia, you guys are available. Weekly Tottenham show with AJ Krasinski. And there's the music playing us off. <laughs> Enjoy the game. Especially when they win their first game. trophy in like 100 years this year. The show's going through the roof. Come on, you Spurs. Just like the Cubs from years back. Anyway, oh, Kratz hat's on their way out. What do you got? Phillies. Come on, it's a Phillies hat. <laughs> not, it's not, it's not Charleston Alley Cats. <laughs> Charleston, West Virginia. It's not a Phillies cap. It's a minor league symbol. Grinders Damn. unite. They had a hill in right field and train tracks. Oh. Shots fired. He's saying you're a homer. Uh, anyway, check out that article. Oh, yeah. I think AJ tweeted about it. So if you want to see his Twitter and, um, and Insta, did check out the and article. Storied it. And you storied it? Mm -hmm. oh, did you tag me? Probably no. not. You already you tagged it. Of course you didn't. I don't know Post how to do game show. We will see you after each game, the rest of the playoffs on FT's YouTube channel. Good one today. We were very well behaved. Bye. Boys! Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. 
If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.